Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to interview you and hear what gold you can share with us. Awesome. Thanks, Belle. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to like uh, just flowing into a conversational source of wisdom to how we can actually be able to help people around the world in business and leadership. Yeah, me too. So that's your area that you're most inspired by is helping leaders and uh, understanding human behavior and developing people. Yeah, I love to be able to like really just start going to the nuts and bolts of what actually uh, is driving a human and what per- proclivities that they actually like stem from and then putting that inside of a business organization. And then you, then you pose, the, pose the thought or the perception of, you know, you have not just one person in business, you have multiple people in business. So it's not one mind, it's many minds and it's many humans. And so therefore, like the behavioral characteristics actually stem through the organization as an organism. That's what I love, Mm. it's fascinating. Mm. How do leaders kind of accept that when you tell them that? Because often, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a founder, you're the person that's solving all the problems and everything, you, you perceive that everything comes from your mind in the beginning and that you're the one that has to think of everything. So when you share that, idea or that concept with a leader what's the kind of responses that you get a little bit of fear to start off with and um it's like a a curiosity but it's also understanding that everyone has been taught to actually think inside of a box in the way that traditional businesses actually operated these days right and have been operated like through time and there's multiple different layers of the way an organization can be run but the most common one is that we see is like an autocratic top-down approach where we have a ceo at the top and then we have the different layers going down to like the the foundational workers of the of the business but um i like to actually say them as business not as usual right and To quote Malcolm Gladwell, you know, if everyone had to think outside the box, maybe it was the box that needed removing in the first place. And traditionally, if we we actually look at, most people actually tend to just follow what other people are doing and they have been taught not to actually think for themselves, but they've been taught how to think, right? Not what to think. Or they, they've been taught what to think but not how to think. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's opening up the, the different scope of perception and looking at things like I love to say from nature's point of view. So the way that I love to teach leadership inside a business is that we go to universal constructs and we take our wisdom from nature. Mm. And I guess that could also be quite a confronting topic for some people. How do um, leaders kind of relate to that or embrace that idea that nature and business have similarities? Well, it depends on the level of consciousness in in terms of the leadership or the the organisation that I'm working with. And um, sometimes, you know, people haven't had the opportunity to learn or understand that the majority of systems are actually derived from nature anyway in some form, right? So it's a systems theory or systems derivative. 
and when we can actually go to nature and see what works and what doesn't work and then we put that inside of an organization and uh, then we have like the highest form of like achievement or success occurring right so I like to use the words like symbiosis in business and uh, as relative to where we've actually derived it from nature as an organization it's also a self-organizing system right so nature's taken all these millions of years to figure it out and then we can come along and just copy the efficiency that nature created and run our companies and our businesses in that way Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense a holistic view of of looking at that you know a business organization is an organism it's basically an organism just like as if we were to go to nature and look Mm -hmm. at nature outside of us outside we can take the trees and the shrubs and the plants and the water and the birds and the you know the, the bees and and the animals and how that they actually work inside of an environment right and so a lot of my work has been able to go experiential and derive information from nature like from the animals and from you know the the ecosystem and one of the one of the beautiful things I love to share that I spent some time in Botswana, and I remember going into like the Chobe River in Botswana, and so there, Botswana, if people understand, is um, basically a country where you can't actually kill the wildlife. There's no hunting there, right? But it's neighboured by all these different countries that still hunt elephant. So by nature. They, the animals went to where there was safety, right? So all the elephants from the, the neighbouring countries like flooded into Botswana. But then it became an, an overload to the environment, so therefore it created a degra- degradation to the environment because of the excess of ele- elephants, right? So it was out of balance, out of symbiosis with nature. So therefore there was an entropy that was starting to occur within the organism of that area so we can look at that in the same way in business if we don't have a balanced understanding in terms of like ins and outs uh like human dynamics um then we will start to actually create entropy too within an organization and that can be looked Mm -hmm. at what i call you know um different mindsets and different Uh, emotional perceptions on how people inside of an organization are actually operating so we could say that there's an element of like greed that comes in where we see a high excessive element of we call predator behavior inside of an organization and therefore it's just out to consume 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 so it takes out multiple different organizations but that is creating a degradation to an, an ecosystem. And therefore, like we call that stakeholder not, um, zero-sum gaming and where there's an imbalance. And so if therefore, if we understand nature has to, has to actually pour a vacuum, then it will come back around in full circle and it will create entropy within that organisation in some form, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a very high-level, greater sense of awareness by being mm. able to take an overview effect and look at all of the exchange components within the organisation. I like to call them organisms mm. instead of organisations okay. and how that they can actually work. Mm. 
So what are some examples of um, entropy in a company or how would I know that my business or my company is suffering entropy or breaking down? The first place that we see it is that you have a high staff turnover, right? Is that so if you could imagine a business that exercises like great care in how that they do the hiring process and where basically hardly anybody leaves because they're so invested in the growth of the organism, right? So that's where we start to see there's a high level of turnover. We, we can see that that is going to actually start to go into entropy. And then we also look at the physiological components of those that are maybe in high level management, you know, like where are they breaking down in physiology? And um, the number one thing that we can say is stress. And a lot of the CEOs that I actually work with are, you know, in that state of um, distress and stress. So their physiology is, is giving them feedback in a way that is letting them know that they're going to be in terms inside of themselves, which potentially is from the businesses that they're, they're in as well too. Right. So if someone was considering, if someone resonated with this information that you're talking about and um, they were thinking, do I need Kelly's help do, or not? Like what are some of the ways that people could engage you or why would they come to you and ask for your help? How would they know to come and ask for your help? Well, I guess what I do see is they come when it's a little too late, right? And Or they're, they're stepping into higher stages of um, ratios of entropy. And so the distress levels like within the, the organisation, the organism or the person or the CEO of the company, it's, you know, they're highly stressed or their profit ratio is actually going down the toilet or they're having multiple different staff that are actually leaving and there's a lot of conflicts and confusion that's happening within within the organisation. Right, okay. So if they've got attrition, they've got stress, their management team are stressed, they're feeling unbalanced, out of control, they could come to you then for help, but it's already probably going to be <laughs> too late, in which case you can probably rescue them, but uh, it would be better if they came to you for help before then, um, but if they are feeling it. It's being aware of what feedback you're actually getting and teaching, teaching um, you know, owners of businesses, CEOs, you know, hot upper level managers, middle level managers, SMEs, how to interpret the feedback that they're actually getting, right? And I like to use the word that it's a tension that arises, right? So we have an awareness to the tension that is coming up. So we feel tension inside of ourselves. But we also can feel and see tension inside of an organisation. So they're both elements of feedback that are reflecting each other, right? And um, so when, when we have an awareness over that, then we can start to actually objectify and really ask some quality questions and look at maybe an overview effect to the probable cause and effect that is going to actually uh, send a business into entropy or a person into entropy. So the, the number one thing that I really like people to really realise is that your business doesn't, your business is not a business without the people inside of it. And so really we can have the systems and processes and the structures that we put in place, but it, it's 
having an awareness is that the true, the most true sense of value that makes a business very valuable is the human element. And if you get that in a place of um, balance, in a place of what I call life force with um, a high proclivity to have a, a drive, that will create a value in business that will keep a business sustainable. But um, what I tend to see is the opposite, is that a lot of upper-level management tend to blame their people within there, right? Mm-hmm. And it's an expectation that becomes unrealistic for people to live outside of their true sense of their intrinsic drivers of who they are. And that's where the greatest sense of entropy occurs, right? right. Is the unfulfillment and the, the vital life force within the human element inside of an organisation. So um, in saying that, we come back to, if you could imagine a business where hardly anyone leaves, then ponder the question, how do we create that? Mm. Okay, so I guess that is the signs of a healthy culture and you're talking previously about signs of an unhealthy culture. So how do we create that? And what what are the signs of a healthy culture or something that we're wanting to work towards? Yeah. So, it, you know, if we imagine that we have a business that has like fewer managements in, in, a, in a hierarchy, right? Because we're so indoctrinated to create this top-down hierarchical approach. And we have fewer managers because it doesn't need anyone to look over people's shoulders, right, to, to make sure they are working and to know what to do, you know. A business that is self-managing, that is self-organising and is self-healing like any evolved sentient being. Mm. I can imagine that. Yeah, well, I'm, that sounds scary. Like I think um, many business owners um, would be confronted to hear that and they might wonder, well, if I'm not watching them, they're not doing it or how do I know that they're actually doing their job and how do I create that responsibility because they're not the owner? How how are they ever going to do that? I've never been able to create that. How do you create that? (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) exactly. First thing is is to actually get beyond yourself and, and to rise above your belief systems and potentially to, you know, open open your mind to be able to think beyond the scope of what you know and what you don't know. And then but if we if we come back to I would say that there's nothing ever missing, it's just being able to open up your perception to be able to see something that potentially you haven't seen before. And I come back to that I mentioned earlier that uh, the most successful businesses on this planet are actually uh, emulating nature, right? And so we say potentially it's unconventional but it's nature, right? So opening the mind of people to be able to think beyond the scope of the way that they're operating in their their current situation. Okay. And 
if that starts to happen in an organization and people start to open their minds, um, is there a layer of comfort that a leader could put in for themselves to know that this is working and, you know, that I guess they're not going to just take their hands off altogether and step back. Um, they might set themselves up for disappointment. What? How can they approach it in layers or give them get some feedback that what they're doing is working to empower people? Cool. Very cool question. Yes, and, and it's human nature too to want to have high elements of control through the fear of the loss of things, right? So that self-preservation in um, in within ourselves. So we yes, we have to be aware of that that is part of nature. I'm not going to deny the fact that that's not part of it. So we incorporate that in there. And if it's having an awareness of when we step over into the elements of excessive fear or excessive self-preservation, that we start to actually step into, I'm going to make this happen in the high elements of control. You know, We've all worked with people that are control freaks or in under the label of you know extreme narcissistic bosses, etc. And we know how that tends to end up, right? So really what I love to bring into people's awareness is what I love to bring and teach is holacracy, right? Understanding that it's unconventional, but it's nature. But why is it unconventional? It's only unconventional because of our perceptions that uh, through the elements of the excessive hmm, indoctrination belief systems of fearing the loss of, right, relative to our self-preservation because we haven't grown up in that system. But mm. the highest form of self-organisation that actually creates life force is a holacracy, right? So if you want to bring in the elements that you were talking about, how can a manager or, you know, a person who owns a business not just, you know, like throw the reins at the horse per se and just let it run wild, is how can we create a communication that's symbiotic in nature that is going to, to have what I call non-zero-sum gaming in business where it's a win in every vector direction, Right not just for the the organization the company it's for the the people inside of the company and all stakeholders that are involved outside of the company as as within as so without right again we're taking that from parts of nature in um, hermetic principles and bringing that into awareness so when working within a holacracy we want to include like the, the following elements, which is a constitution as such, right? So we, we set out the rules of the game. And um, as conscious entrepreneurs, where we can actually go in and determine what the rules of the game, we redistribute authority in that format, right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Redistribute authority in a way that, um, well, if someone is in a CFO role, for example, they're, they're in charge of finances. But um, what, what's an example of redistributing authority? What? Okay. So it's, it's, it's looking at it in, it's a new way, but it's so very old that it's actually become new. 
to structure an organisation to and define people's roles and spheres of authority within it, right? So it's a unique decision-making process, updating those roles and meeting authority. So it's, it's how you communicate within the organism between those particular roles, right? So um, it's, it's developing those rules like, like from the get-go and it's really bringing in an evolutionary-powered organisation. And the way that I, I like to actually um, explain it is like it is traditionally a practice. It's not a theory or an idea or a philosophy. You know, it's, it's truly difficult to understand that practice without actually experiencing it. So when we come into actually um, putting it into practice, I like to actually say that we take the human body, right, for an example. The human body is a form of holacracy, right? So uh, we have the different organs within inside of our body and they actively just go about doing their thing, don't they, right? They get on with the job. and mm -hmm. But we don't have our mind that we could say is the CEO that actually tells the heart what to do. The heart just gets on with it, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. right? But it, it knows what its role is. It's already pre-coded and predispositioned to actually pump blood around the organisation. You know, so that's the rule of that game. That was, we could say, is predetermined by who, what, whatever. You know, some people might say God or nature. But we don't continue to go, okay, heart, pump the blood, pump the blood, pump the blood. Oh, my God, you're failing at the moment. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing, you know? And we don't get the whip out and put all these parameters in place, etc., and tell it off when it hasn't pumped enough blood. We allow the process to be able to do what it needs to do because the, the coding or the pre predisposition has already been set. And then but we know that the heart must work in conjunction with the lungs, right, to keep the organism alive. So they have a symbiosis of a communication that goes within each other, you know. You're going to pump blood, now you're going to bring oxygen to that blood so that we can redistribute that throughout the system. So to me it's no different in that format. You set a predetermination of what the rules of the game is in a conscious way, in understanding how to keep an organism alive, then you just basically set those things and you basically just let it go about and doing its business and you come together just as we would do. We would go to our wellness practitioner or something like that potentially to actually check and see whether we're in homeostasis or balance within our body and, and to check and see, like, you know, we might call it a blood test and we get the feedback from that and then we determine what actions we may need to take through tensions that may be arising through the, physi the physiology. No different in a business, right? But so then we actively, consciously, objectively go about, you know, like creating life force again and homeostasis within the organism, right? So your body is a holacracy and mm. So your business can be a holacracy in that format too. It's just really being able to predetermine what the rules of the game are and then allowing mm. it to actually organise on its own. And mm. the highest form of the most valuable businesses on this planet are self-organising systems. Mm. Our body is a self-organising system. We don't tell ourselves what to do. 
our cells regenerate, they go into apoptosis and mitosis, they have, you know, build and destroy, and then they mm. regenerate, right? So why cannot a business be in that format? Because mm. a human a human comes in with fear and 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 uh has to make things happen. Yes, yeah. I think a human body is a really good example for business owners to um to use as a practical example where they can think, okay, here's the body, maybe it was my idea, but now all these organs represent all the different people and I don't need to micromanage them. They're going to function if I choose the right organs or people, those people can come in and do their job. And then the idea of the wellness consultant nearly being like the CEO, the person that checks the reporting, like is everything working? not from a standpoint of micromanaging but a monthly report or a weekly report or quarterly however often it is that you need to check in and and measure that i think uh you've touched on people on having the right people in your business and people being the life force of your business or the lifeblood of your business uh with this idea that you're talking about do you think it's better just to recruit from the beginning and when you're doing that recruitment explain this is your role and this is your responsibility and this will be yours to own uh, do you do it through recruitment or is it possible to um you know if if, if you wanted to take this holacracy approach and keep your current team can it work to be able to say to them that was your role now here's this extra responsibility does that work Multiple different questions in that, um, in that, what you're asking there. So, like, I'll, I'll just start with that. Yes, there, there will be some. If, if you take this uh, way of actually running an organisation or an organism, there will be definitely shifts and changes that will happen, right? And it'd be just to equate it back. To, I'm just going to use the analogy of the human body, right? Is that each each person on this planet has a new a unique set of value to what they actually contribute to, uh, you know, in nature. Just like the heart is unique in the way that it pumps blood around the body and creates um, life force, right? And same with the lungs, you know, in the way that it creates prana, uh, brings in prana life force and you know oxygenates the the body as well to to keep it in alive. Now, we wouldn't want to have the heart swap places with the lungs and expect it to, to actually do that job, right? Does that make sense? No. Yes. And we wouldn't want to take the liver and say, okay, now, liver, you're going to just step over and take the heart's job for a minute because, like, you know, we've got somebody that needs to just step out of that, that role for a minute. So can you just jump in and do that potentially? I know you're not going to like it for a while, but, you know, like the liver's going to get really, really angry because that's its job, right? And so what we have an expectation seems to be is that we want to make people fit these roles inside of organisations or organisms, but yet <laughs> they're not actually designed for that particular position. So wisdom is to actually look at what is the proclivity of the human element that you're actually hiring into an organisation, what is their true sense of fulfilment and value where they have a preference to be, right? That's where you actually put the right person in the right place for the right position 
for the right role, right? So then you're going to actually minimize the, the elements of entropy and unrealistic expectations and stress and all the other things that we can know that will create entropy within a human and an organization. So hiring in is the first point of really understanding how the person that you're bringing into a company is going to, where are they going to fit and what value do they have? That's, um, I call it axiology. What is their natural axiology and what is the value that they're, they're going to bring and where they're going to have the most vital life force is where that they can just be able to be that because they love it, right? And you put that person into that position. Does that make sense? Yeah. Feels like surfing, like riding the right wave. Like if you pick the right person and you embrace their vital life force, it's going to, I, I imagine if you have a lot of people working with their vital life force in their job role, that it's going to help everything flow like in nature, like in a flow towards where you're taking the company. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're creating a rich environment with all the, the correct components to have something grow, right? You go and plant, you go and plant a, um, avocado tree in freezing environment. Is that going to work? No, no, right? It's not going to grow, but you have an expectation that the avocado tree should, should grow in, you know, in, um, let's just say Colorado, that it should grow in Colorado because, you know, just because that's going against nature. It's having a, an unrealistic expectation for a species or, you know, to actually live outside its natural uh, value. So therefore you're going to actually create entropy and have, you know, depression and anxiety and all these particular things because you have an expectation on something to actually live outside its value. And therefore you're getting the feedback through tension that, it hasn't produced an avocado, like hell, what, what? Gee. Right. So you're getting frustrated, but it could be because you've put the wrong person in the wrong role or you're asking one of your employees to not be within their values and it's frustrating you because they're not doing it right, but it could be back your own fault. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So the, the, the wisest form is to actually go, okay, looking at, or asking specific questions to determine what that what is the value to that particular person that you may want to put into the role, right? So if you want to look at the most natural form of leadership, that is it, right? And that is where you can allow people just to flourish and grow in their own environment. They become self-organizing because it's a value to them. They have a high level of energy and vibration and frequency that we know when we get to that state, it becomes a, what a, attractive because electromagnetism actually demonstrates that in nature as well too, right? So mm. therefore, you create like a great attractive business or organisation that people are actually drawn to because, you know, like there's this vitality that's flowing throughout it. Mm. Okay, now I've got two questions. So I want to continue down that path that you're going. But before we go down there, can we jump back to the point where we were talking about if we want to make a change to a holacracy and have our employees take on greater responsibility or ownership, 
is it possible to do it with people that you have and how would you know if they can do it or if it's you're going to end up with a, a problem on your hands? A mutiny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people throwing their hands in the air and walking out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it's having, first of all, going into that, if you make a conscious choice as a conscious entrepreneur or a company owner or an organisation owner or CEO, that you can see the value of shifting into a holacracy. And there's another component that comes in there called meritocracy as well. But um, you have an awareness that you're going to have people going to chaos, right? It's chaos theory. And now when we have chaos occur, we know that great change is about to happen. Evolution is going to occur. So first of all is working with the mindset of those people that make the decision-making processes, just like the heart or the, the, you know, the lungs would. Now we're going to, you know, put a little stress in, in this situation. But the objective here is to bring it back to homeostasis, right? And we will see people will fall out, they'll quit, they'll leave, which is perfect. And um, there'll be those that will be, you can redistrib redistribute to the areas or the roles that are more fitting and in alignment and in attunement to who and what they are. Does that make sense? So it's just having an awareness of that potentially that is going to happen. It's not potentially, it will happen. And some of the companies that I've actually worked with is when they get to this state, there's a fear part that comes in, right? There's that whole component of like, oh my God, this is way too stressful, fearful. And that's where, you know, I'm there to actually guide them through the integration process and to bring into awareness of what's actually occurring and reminding them that the reason that this, say for example, um, I worked with a company not long ago that in, in implemented this process and um, one had one manager that was all for it and one that wasn't, right? And so I already had preconceived that the one that wasn't was going to, wasn't really in there. He was just there day to day, da 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 you know, on the hamster wheel, not really providing energy vitality to the organisation. So the entropy was growing there. It's like a cancer cell, right? So therefore... That was like a tumour that potentially needed to be, you know, removed. And, but we allowed that to self-organise in itself. And he made the conscious decision to leave. But in that, the owner of the organisation went through a bit of stress because he couldn't understand how he was going to refill this role. And I, you know, just said to him, just wait, it will present it will present in a self-organizing system during chaos, there is a presentation that occurs. And sure enough, a person presented himself that was really aligned and in attunement for that particular role, popped him in there, poof, and away it grows, right? So it's again overcoming the belief systems of what you have learned, been taught, and understanding that's fear that's driving you. Mm. Okay, so it feels like there's a degree of um, kind of trust and surrender if you're going to embark on this process as a leader to go, okay, 
I'm going to make this change. I want to try this holacracy approach. I like the idea of empowering my people. Um, it feels like going into it, if we go into it aware that there's going to be changes and we might let go of some people, trusting the process and that the right people will present. Is that what you're saying? That the new, the, the right opportunity will appear as we make the change? Yeah, and having the awareness when that does surface and like just floating the, the person into that role. Now, you also start to actually realise that we can't just segregate one person into one role, that they will cross over into multiple multiple different aspects, you know. Like there may be one person that's really highly so suited to just like doing the heart thing, right? But then we have these multiple different elements of where there'll be crossover in terms of roles and responsibilities as well. Just like inside of the body, we have, have that happen as well. You know, in terms of blood cells, you know, they do different things and then we have our you know, immune system responses that take care of multiple different elements. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Mm -hmm. So again, we're looking at nature. And um, that's also the part where uh, the, the teaching component comes in to be able to understand the process of uh, creating a holacracy-based organisation and what does that mean in developing leadership inside of the organisation, leadership outside of it too as well. So there's a, there's a lot of understanding and training and teaching that actually goes in there and also a diagnostic approach, just like we go and have a blood test, we do a diagnostic to look where the imbalances are inside of our, our system. Uh, we do a diagnostic approach as well too and we can see where the imbalances are and then we can teach and then also offer some consultancy towards shifting into more of a, um, a higher state of business or organisation. Mm, right. And so then with this uh, new responsibility that's being distributed, do you ever make uh, the new responsibilities, do you make roles accountable to each other instead of um, the accountability still going up? Does the accountability get spread you know, you got to check your teammates' position or KPIs and make sure they're hitting their targets. Or does it does it ever work like that? the The person who's in the role becomes responsible and accountable for that. And if you have somebody overwatching that, like in the governance system, then you're still in the autocratic approach, right? Right. Okay. So it's delegating the responsibility to the person inside of that role to be accountable responsible relative to the purpose of the company right so we have to link in a purposeful organization so that is what we call like the telos or the teleology of an organization and we make sure that the axiology of the person inside of that role is in attunement with the purpose of the organization and that is the guiding light it's right. not the human that drives that it's right. the, the responsibility of that human to be able to be a part of that purpose they see themselves inside of that purpose as that purpose so They're don't not um just driving somebody else's purpose the purpose is the guiding light the driving force of of, of any organism right 
So don't you ever have um, leaders or business owners say to you, yeah, my purpose is to make money, like, or the reason I started my business is to make money. Like at what point do they realize that there's a greater purpose or how do you tell the employees the purpose of this company is to make the owner money? Like how do you work through that whole scenario? Yeah, totally agree. That potentially is also to a belief system that we've been brought up with is to that's the only reason you're in business is to actually return a profit. And what we generally tend to see is there's a lot of entropy that occurs inside of those organisations because if that's a driving force, it's driven by um, an imbalance in terms of perception and an energy and frequency that actually draws and attracts the opposite to break that addiction to that. And the highest form of valuable companies are the ones that have uh, a purpose beyond themselves. And they're the ones that actually the purpose is put in the forefront and they understand that the, the secondary component to that is wealth derivative, right? So we talk about that is the why. What is the why of the organisation and what is the how? And then what are we going to actually like derive from that is wealth is one part of it, but it's not the driving force. So there's a different in energy and vibration that is, if you even think about that and how does that feel to you, right? <clears throat> So what we tend to do is we then diminish the component of greed and or the polarity of what we can call greed. Now there's a beautiful, there's a, I love the story of um, the Whole Foods organisation, right? And I encourage my clients to actually go and read and research and read the books that John Mackay actually wrote about conscious capitalism. And they have a great understanding that the wealth is not the driving force of any organisation that's going to be valuable to humanity and to the planet, that it's the purpose of the organisation and what other derivatives it can actually bring to humanity and to the planet as well. So that's the side by that, that is stakeholder investing and understanding the non-zero-sum gaming of a win in every single direction gives the highest form of fulfillment, life sustainability, and you can include wealth in that too if you, if you want to. So there's a different feeling and vibration and frequency that actually goes with that. Right. So I can imagine then if a leader considered um, what's the greater purpose or service that we're delivering to humanity, if they can connect to that and articulate that, I can imagine that would be much easier for people to connect to than the idea of we're just making someone money and we're here for a salary. Mm-hmm. Mm. Very that much makes, so. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm. It makes sense then how the holacracy would work because if employees feel connect a greater connection to the service and purpose of the company, they'd be more inspired to support that because ultimately they'll probably be getting something or more out of it themselves than just their salary if they're working on something that has purpose. Exactly. A whole magnitude of, of different things that they will be getting out of it. Right? It's not just I'm just here to turn up for money and mm. I'm not going to be resentful to this organisation because I have to do nine to five 
because these guys are raking it in and I'm on this minimal salary and they're just there to get money but they don't really care about me, mm. right? So there's this internal, external, vector directional caring that occurs which actually raises a frequency and vibration in terms of inspiration. Now, if you really feel into when you have a workforce that is inspired to actually be there, what does that feel like? You know, the energy when you go into a place that is, uh, you know that the people inside, like the, the human value inside of that is inspired. You're drawn to it. It's magnetic. That's nature again. But if you go inside of an organism that is, uninspired workers i mean we've all had that haven't we we go into a place and he's like that'll be two dollars fifty thanks there's your coffee right great enjoying your job you like this place well just getting my money gonna go home now you know so you you don't have that want to actually (laughs) return back to that organization does that make sense so one of the first questions that I actually ask any organ- organism is, is that why does your business exist? All right. And then why does it need to exist? And is this a question that business owners can ask themselves to find a greater level of purpose and meaning in, in what they're doing? Yeah. Mm. What happens if someone just sells like toilet paper or like collects rubbish or, you know, I imagine there would be some businesses like if you're a neurosurgeon, like you're changing people's lives, you're helping them get rid of their brain cancer, like that's a very obvious service-driven business. Um, How about the businesses that are like um, more – need just as ne- on an as needed basis or like selling groceries or something really simple that doesn't have a very obvious purposeful um service concept to me that's perceptional as well and if there is a belief system that let's just say like selling groceries is not purposeful it's a life force right and so then we would go in deeper and look at like what are the attributes of actually selling groceries and toilet paper and how does that actually um, supply life force to humanity and then what other stakeholder investments or what other stakeholder connections are actually in creation here so it's just a matter of really going deep into and opening up the scope of things to open up a person's perception to see how it's been a contributing factor to not only humanity but also to let's just say planet universe or whatever you want to call it um so again like the whole foods component has taken all of those particular things into account and looking at like how can how could they actually create the highest form of um, stakeholder investment in the multi-vector directions and incorporate all the things that are required for life force for a human to sustain life at its highest frequency in some form. So they developed that organism, right? And that's that's such a massive, massive organisation across America that is so valuable because there was the holacracy component that was in place with the meritocracy as well is, is that um, the purpose of that company was vast and beyond our belief systems. 
of like, well, I'm just going to sell groceries and toilet paper. So it's the way that they actually structured that is quite beautiful and having everybody from the inside out contribute to the purpose of the organisation so it just grew naturally in a self-organising system. Now, I'm interested to actually see where that ends up because it was actually acquired by Amazon, right? And I think that um, as, as you do in terms of understanding nature as well, when they floated that company, that's part of natural um, evolution to be able to give it back out to the greater sense of humanity, to have other people invest in it, to allow the organisation to become self-organising. And we understand that there is a life cycle to any organisation, right? And again, we look at nature in its um, finest is from the predatory prey component is that potentially there may be a predator that has come and consumed that organisation now. We'll see where it goes. We don't know, right? Whether, whether you know, um, Jeff Bezos is actually going to incorporate that inside of the Amazon system or not, right? Whether it can just grow, grow, grow and become like a high sense of value to humanity. Does that make sense? Mm. Or it will go into entropy because there may be an element of greed that steps in that will mm. polarise it to a degree that will create entropy in, in the organisation. But can you see that from an organisation that started out from one store in, in um, Texas with a, with a purpose to provide life force, let's just say groceries and toilet paper, to humanity has, has grown and grown and grown and grown to an exponential organism that is now across many countries and has multiple different stakeholders invested into it with a high sense of value because of that purpose. Right. So don't, ever, you... don't ever limit your belief that toilet paper and groceries can grow there. <laughs> yeah. So are you saying then that um, now that it's been acquired by a greater entity that it could possibly lose its sense of purpose because the greater entity might have a different vision or idea potentially mm. yes mm -hmm. mm. okay so say i have um on the surface quite a mundane company i make bricks or <laughs> some, whatever you perceive as mundane and then i go and i ask myself these questions how uh how does my company help humanity or how does my business serve on a greater level and then I find this purpose myself and then I realize that my brick company actually creates a dwelling for someone to live in and feel safe and protected and have amazing experiences and I'm creating a home not just a brick so then when I discover that and then I get excited and I want to tell my employees about it and then the they don't you think sometimes they might just be like settle down they're just bricks like how do you actually get your employees to see what you've seen and to understand that you've uncovered this purpose that you didn't know your business had well that that is bringing into awareness too as well and being able to communicate to the relative value of that employee that may be in the company and that's linking linking through perceptional value 
of beyond the perception that a brick is just a brick. And how can a brick have exponential value? And then for you potentially as an organization owner or entrepreneur or business owner or corporation owner is being able to communicate that to the human that is inside your organization to see the value that it's actually providing for humanity. One of my companies that I used to own is we used to manufacture livestock supplementation, right? We used to manufacture, um, let's just say, cattle food, right? They used to make small pellets to feed a cow. And the guys in the production and processing plant, you know, every day they'd come in and and they'd be doing the same thing day in, day out. And you understand that that can be quite monotonous and mundane in that format when you're just thinking that you're just making a pellet to feed a cow, right? But to be able to, when I, once I realised that um, that the life force of that human that was creating this was diminished because that's all they could actually think is like, oh, I'm making a pellet to feed a cow. A cow's going to get fat and then we're going to kill it, right, and eat it is to really go in and look at um, the whole range of processes is that what was actually being created there was actually providing a source of protein to actually feed humanity across the world because the cattle that we were actually feeding were in the export component, so therefore they were going beyond Australia. They were going out to different countries around the world and then they were providing protein to actually provide families with a life force so that they could live the highest vital force and have energy and nutrition and vitality to be able to go on then and actually do what they did inside of their potential jobs or businesses. So there's this linking component that occurs, it's entanglement in terms of perception, that it's beyond, it's totally beyond either a brick or a pallet. It's just being able to communicate and verbate the sense of purpose of what those particular components are providing to the rest of the organism right just like if we have we just say okay i've just got a red blood cell in my body and you know that that's just a red blood cell but what does that red blood cell actually provide to the rest of the organism for it to go on and be sustainable vital inspirational and provide again and again and again does that make sense so there is um all parts actually affect the whole and so when we break down the sum of the parts and then we connect it back to the whole it gives a greater sense of meaning inside of an organization and that's also the human mind as well too so when we can actually again coming back to potentially teach our people inside of our company's organizations how to think not what to think, right? Then we can really add value. It seems like um, we would need your help to teach employees how to think. What are some some of the approaches you take with when you're um, helping people think in a new way or what do you do when you come into an organisation and start tackling that? is again like we say we come in with a diagnostic and we look at where the imbalances are and therefore then we we then provide a plan 
and openly teach and also then consult in specific areas that are actually requiring assistance in bringing it back into a state of balance. So I like to call this fair exchange within the organism, right? So we look at the value that's out of fair exchange within the organism, which we could say is the imbalance components. And then taking a, a holistic overview effect, then we create a plan to be able to guide alongside whoever may be the role and responsibilities is bringing that organism back into a state of balance, right? So we provide the assistance to be able to bring that into a place of flow. And, mm. you know, when we have fair exchange in, um, mm, uh, so I say, like imagine the business that exists, exists in fair exchange with um, multifaceted like value creation, like generating intellectual, you know, like we have these seven areas as, as well, like financial, spiritual, physical, family, social, cultural, and ecological, like wealth and well-being. So there's well-being for everybody and everything it touches while delivering like an unparalleled, um, unparalleled like equity-based year after year. Does that make sense? So it is about the value of fair exchange with among, in amongst all of these multifaceted areas. And when we talk about equity, when they're in equity, that's where value actually, you know, the, the organisation stays alive really. Do you mean by that that everyone feels rewarded equally or do, that everyone feels um, fairly rewarded, like they're receiving a, a fair end of the deal? In, in Yes, within a ratio. Because we also want to make sure that we have realistic expectations and we don't negate the fact that when we have challenges occur, they're there for a reason, right? It's just how we process them and how we perceive them. So I don't want to set an expectation that we're going to have like a happy da-da-da-da-da and everybody's going to be joyful and all this kind of stuff. What we're going to have is a high level of inspiration and vitality with an understanding and a proclivity to be able to integrate in the moment relative to their perceptions of the tension that's occurring and they see the value in, in that. Does that right. make sense? Are you saying that when someone gets challenged, they're not going to lose their cool and they still stay inspired and know that that challenge is actually helping them? Yes. Right. Yeah. That's good. So that means that would encourage uh, kind of embracing of challenge like a culture of people embracing the challenges as they come yeah it's it's raising the consciousness um in an evolutionary process directly proportionate to nature in symbiosis with what nature's already doing and so therefore you know it raises the awareness and raises the people to an extra extraordinary like potential so it, it increases the potentiality of the mm. whole system. Mm. So you are, I'll just go into physics here at the moment, you know, you're creating like a strong nuclear force, right, in a high value mm. in potentiality. And if you mm. want to go esoteric, we can say in um, maximum potential. Mm. 
So I can imagine that um, there'd be some leaders and intellectual managers that would just absolutely gobble up what you're saying and it sounds really interesting. But how about the people that do just clean toilets or make pellets? Like how can they understand this kind of complex concept that you're talking about? Very good question. And I know that sometimes I go a bit deep into under, you know, the way that I actually deliver this particular message. So it, it would be in alignment and breaking it down into really connecting their axiology to the purpose of the company. So we could simplify it in form that if you want to be a person inside of an organisation and you're looking for a job, is understand what your values are and what your axiology is. Find yourself an organisation that has a purpose that's relative to that. Right, okay. And place yourself inside of it. And how do we figure that out as as a leader? Is it as simple as going, what do you like? What what do you love? Or how do we know what they value? We, we have developed a, um, a question series of discovering what your uh, authentic axiology is, which is a multitude of, questions 39 of them to be exact and we we do a deep dive into a person's uh axiology or their value right or their intrinsic form or their intrinsic drivers what actually fulfills them we don't allow them to bullshit us and uh because we have a tendency to want to impress people uh relative to what we think we are right so it's really finding the life force inside of the person. So the axiology is the life force of the human. And so by answering those questions, it will bring you to an understanding of who you are. Right. So you could do this with existing employees or new employees coming in. You can have them do these questions. And then so as a leader, you know what's important to them. Yes. Right. Very much so. And then you're saying that, has to align with the purpose of the organization the yeah. why of the company the the what is, why does your business need to exist so how do you know that how do you know if that aligns it is well i'm a teacher and i'm also like a researcher and so i would look at if i was to actually not be inside of that environment, my energy, my frequency would be in depletion, right? So any person that is finding themselves like a lack of energy and, you know, they're not inspired to actually go to work or go to a job or whatever, that's the first form of feedback that you know that they're out of alignment, right? right. Or out of attunement with that particular purpose. Right. So if you were recruiting someone new you could ask them what they like about the purpose of the company what inspires them about that yeah i and really be present to the feedback that you're getting when you ask that particular question right because an animation in form and the action of a person is a dead giveaway into the response like the words to me are probably only 10 percent of what i would listen to i would be actually into the feeling component and I'd be watching the expression and the body language of, of the human because it's the actions that actually really give you the sense of what that person values. So you can say too, you know, like, 
um, in relationships, if somebody says something but they don't do it, right, and you judge a person relative to their value on their actions. So we can say in their body language, if they become more animated and they can just drop things off the top of the hat and they don't have to think too much, da 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 da, da you know it's a value to them. But if it's like, oh, well, um, um, yeah, the company, um, well, I like the coffee cups that they actually have, you know that it's not a real value to them, right? But if you have somebody that's going for a position as a barista or to serve a coffee, you say, oh, well, I love to... I love to be able to be in communication with people and I love the smell of coffee and that just, you know, the aroma. I love to understand the different elements of the milk that go in there and how that people, different people and the way that they drink their coffee and the expression and how that they come in every day at a certain times. So I just love all of those components in there. I put that person in the job. Right, okay. And then so for existing people, in our business if we share the purpose that we've uncovered and then so if we look for an indication of them showing their connection to it or um, doing actions in support of the purpose that's when we know that we're they're invested in it Mm -hmm. yes right and the ones that make fun of it they're the ones that we let go of (laughs) (laughs) pretty much (laughs) pretty much yes Yes, and also having the awareness too as well in relative to an organism and we look at this, again, I keep coming back to the body's a holocracy. There's this thing inside of us called like a immuno, I can never say the word, I just got IgG, right, which is relative to our immune system. Now, we also understand that there's 75% of our organism that is in flow and there's 25% that's not. It has to be that way. That's the chaos that keeps the growth and the evolution happening. So when we're conscious that we can have a maximum of 25% of people that are out of attunement and out of alignment, they're going to create a chaos in there for us to keep growing. We appreciate them for who they are. Right. Okay. So we're allowed to have 25% of chaos in our companies in various forms. Yes. That's the element that helps us grow. Yes. And so having conscious awareness of that, like where that is, and that's where we do the diagnostic. We go, okay, great, that can be there, that can be there, because we know it's going to keep the, the growth happening. And we're playing within the laws of nature as well, because it's it's unrealistic to have a fantasy to think that you're going to have 100% of, of uh, you know, happy, happy little cells running around your organisation, right? Right. So what's the danger of having thinking that you have a perfect company and nothing's ever going wrong and everything's just running smoothly and like one is that even possible and two if someone thinks they have that is there a danger in that one is that even possible so again when you're lining to nature right is it realistic to understand that we're not going to have a storm that's going to rip branches off trees and and you know blow roofs off houses and all that and flood out certain things is that realistic no it's not right so to be realistic is to understand that there will be challenges and there will be chaos that occurs. And, but we also have the ability to, with our perceptions and being able to move things around and honour the forms of chaos that actually do come in. And then we can also put the chaos where we may, may prefer it to be too as well, consciously as well. 
Right. When you when you have a high level of awareness, you can you can see. Okay, we can put it here. Right. So, if you feel like everything is smooth, you can anticipate chaos and decide where you want it to go. Mm-hmm. It's having the conscious awareness of how you're consciously in co-creation with an organism, with the understanding of nature and how it works. Right. So to be a master at running my business, I need to become a master at understanding nature and seeing the reflection of that playing out in my business and using that to my advantage to flow in the way of nature in the business. Well, wisdom would be to, to yes, potentially think that way. But any time you use the word need, then you're going, do I need to? That's a projection upon something. So wisdom would be a proclivity to potentialise your business is to understand what's occurring inside the organism. So Kelly, how can I go about getting you to come into my organisation and what what's the process to engage you? Well, my process is really is to reach out with me by email or to give me a call and um, or through my website which is kellystuart.com.au and I also have I'm also part of an organization called Taurus Consulting which is um, just taurus.io and or taurusconsulting.io and um, you can find me generally on also on LinkedIn and also Instagram and Facebook but I pref- I'm, I'm generally not on Facebook or Instagram, my assistant will be on that. And, but yeah, through LinkedIn, my social media, email kelly at kellystuart.com.au. Great. Okay, so I would like to ask you a parting question. And it feels that this conversation has been a lot around increasing awareness, awareness of the people in our companies and awareness in ourselves as leaders. What is something that I could go out right now um, to do to start expanding my own awareness or starting to notice the things that you're talking about? Go out into nature. Take a walk in a forest and look at the symbiosis between the plant life. Take a go out into um, out into I call nature is also like going to a shopping centre and looking at how that organism is actually flowing and working together in some form, and or going to where there is animals that you can sit and watch how those particular things work, and then potentially just being present to what you're also perceiving and sensing inside of your physiology is a great place to start too as well. So I could start using my physiology to give myself feedback about what's happening in my business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. be present to the tensions that are occurring inside of your physiology and then that to me is nature and then take an an overview effect and look at, oh, interesting, there's a reflective component of tension that's happening inside my organisation. So perhaps perhaps in noticing my own energy, I'll also notice the energy of others. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
So when you're present to your own energy, then you'll be present to the energy inside of your organisation, which includes your staff or your leaders or the people within that. So you'll start to see and feel the unfulfillment or the fulfillment relative to where they are in the position of the organisation. Okay. Well, that's a fantastic lesson and I think that's given a lot of listeners some material to work with to start thinking about a holacracy or how they can find purpose and help their employees be more inspired. So thanks for the great lesson. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to share that, you know, like I become most inspired when I can teach and, you know, it means so much to me. It is my purpose, my inspiration and my mission to be able to to share this information. So thank you, Belle. I really appreciate it. That's amazing. I'm seeing how your purpose activates the purpose of others, which is extremely purposeful. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, there's a new four P's of marketing. (laughs) You just shifted it to purpose, purpose, purpose. Oh, did I? I didn't even know what I said. I know, right, but that, that yeah. was cool. Well, thank cool. you. I really do appreciate it. Cool. Thank you, Kelly. <laughs>